Chapter 3 The Beast and the Brass Door Dionysus, get this thing off me! The serpent slithered tighter around my neck. I'm not kidding! What the heck? The more I squirmed, the more the snake started to choke as I struggled to stay afloat. But it's a gift from the crane, said Dionysus. Nervous energy overtook my senses once I heard the snake hiss. I swatted the serpent, and it lunged to bite me, but it just missed. What are you doing? asked Dionysus. I pried the boy's hands off from around my shoulders and tugged at the snake. I'm drowning! Help! yelled Dionysus. That snake gripped my neck tighter, but I couldn't find its head. Finally, when I got my hands around its slimy tail, I unraveled it from my neck and tossed it away, hoping it was dead. I'm forgetting. I can't remember, yelled Dionysus. His voice murmured below the water when I lost him in the pitch black. Then, with the snake gone, I heard the crane's wing flap. I dove under the surface to retrieve Dionysus once I realized he wasn't afloat. Now a giant beast transformed through Dionysus' body when he picked me up by the throat. The beast's back was pinned against the upper ceiling when he roared to the cave. Its red eyes glowed like an inferno, illuminating all his hidden rage. Dear God, how could I forget? The beast was inside this boy. I had no clue how it happened, but I realized this beast was ready to destroy. The creature was like a winged ram, and so it raised its arm high, ready to pulverize me when the crane flew up from the water and landed atop my head. The bird balanced on one foot as if it too was prepared to be dead. The crane stretched its wings wide and flapped its feathers three times. A moment later, the giant beast tilted its head. I blinked once, and when I opened my eyes, the boy fell through the air and splashed into the water. Pulling him into my arms, I felt that Dionysus' head was steaming as he seemed at least 28 degrees hotter. Are you okay, my boy? Dionysus, are you there? He wobbled from side to side when the crane jumped from my head and landed in the water. What happened? He asked. His eyes fluttered open, but how could I tell him? I'd let the poor boy sink, and it was my selfish fear of the serpent that triggered the beast to emerge. Are you okay? What do you remember? Dionysus paused. I forget. The bird floated in a circle around us while Dionysus reached his fingers out to pet the crane as it nuzzled its beak in his hand. That bird saved us. I know. He's a swami, said Dionysus. A swan? No, I swear this bird is a crane. But whatever species it is, the bird continued circling us before its beak plunged under the water where its feet paddled deeper before it disappeared under the surface. Moments later, it emerged with the same black serpent in its beak from before. Oh, look at that. The bird got you a gift, said Dionysus. The boy's awareness came back into his little body when I reconnected his arms onto my shoulders as I paddled forward. I don't want anything to do with that snake. Not again. But it's a present, said Dionysus. Look, kid, I'm not taking it. The tip of my toes stood firm as I held my chin above the water while the boy hung on from my shoulders. I was up to my neck in fear while I noticed the boy's eyes glowing bright red at the sign of me challenging him again. Then the crane opened its wings to cover Dionysus' eyes for a brief moment, and after the feathers brushed his eyelids, his eyes were brown and he was back to normal again. What just happened? 
Where'd you go? asked Dionysus. I stayed silent to observe the odd nature of this peculiar moment. The more I seemed to fight against Dionysus, the more the beast seemed to fight back. Even if the boy had no issues with me, as soon as I became triggered, or released any anger towards the boy, the beast would glow through Dionysus's eyes before the boy could reconsider. What does this bird want me to do with that snake? It's your protection, said Dionysus. Protection for what? It's protection from the hidden creatures. That way you can pass through. These waters hold many mysteries, and this snake will make sure the ancient ones don't devour you, said Dionysus. If anything dangerous lurked in these waters, then the crane, the boy, and I were all doomed. Now Dionysus reached toward the bird and took the black snake from its beak before he draped it around my neck for a second time. Still as a ghost, I felt the snake slither over my shoulders and raise its head up to my eyes. Don't worry, she's a good one, said Dionysus. Yeah, you said that before. Before when? And how'd we get this deep in the water? Weren't we stuck in a rocky teeth before? asked Dionysus. You let us down a tunnel. Remember, you brought us to this water. The boy was confused. Remember you were talking about a code, something about a flower of life, and how the grapevine likes water. Isn't that right? I don't know. Maybe, said Dionysus. Now it was the bird that seemed to keep a close eye on me with every paddle forward. Dionysus hung over my back while the snake rested between the boy's arms as it was draped over my chest. The animal seemed to like you. Why is that? I'm a good listener, said Dionysus. How? Well, I listen to their silence mostly. They've got a lot of feelings to notice, said Dionysus. So do you know what the snake is saying? Sure. She doesn't like you much, but she doesn't want to talk about it either. She already said she doesn't like to gossip, said Dionysus. Gossip? Oh, goodness. Well, it's good to know the snake won't tattle on me. The serpent hissed with its tongue beside my ear, as if to warn me that it too was listening. She can hear you, you know. So can all animals. But humans always seem to attack. It's the humans who aren't so smart, because the animals are always listening, even when the people never listen back, said Dionysus. It had gotten so dark, deep, and mysterious that my feet couldn't touch the bottom. Propelling our bodies forward, my toes searched for the ground as my focus tried to keep us afloat while I listened for the gentle crane up ahead. Dionysus's chin dipped into the water when his face rested on my shoulder. Then he whispered into my ear. The crane says to trust the snakes. Stop thinking about the fear and just let the serpent dangle. It's protection for God's favorite sinners because that snake rests on the neck of the devil's only angel. The crane says we're heading toward the river of life, and you gotta let go of what you think you know. It's best not to fight the current, but rather you should learn to embrace what comes and how it flows. Have you noticed how the crane can fly, and how this bird can also swim? The great Swami can traverse all terrain, and it came to us to show us the way out starts from within. Listen to the stillness. This water is no different from the depths of the unconscious mind. The crane says there are no accidents, and it says you have to protect me from now until the end of time, said Dionysus. Both our eyes were fixed on that crane, and even though I heard the words coming from Dionysus, the verse could not have been from this own boy's making. Meanwhile, the bird appeared to foster a power I could not yet understand, 
for in dreams such as this, all possibilities exist. And so I began to ease into this unknowing and let go of all the tension that tried to persist. Then a moment later, I relaxed my jaw. Now I release my shoulders down. I felt the snake ease around my throat when a gentle relief was found. Yes, now you're hearing the snake. The truth waits in the silence all along. Why do you think a crane would come back to show us the way if it wasn't you and this boy who belonged? Do you see how every coincidence connects and how nothing happens a moment too late or too soon? Each and every moment is woven together one after the other, and soon you and this boy will bloom, said Dionysus. These rhymes, are they coming from the crane's mind? Are you translating its thoughts? Dionysus nodded and continued whispering in my ear. Only the man who wears the snake around his neck can scribe the ancient yogi's code. Just as the oxen carries the load upon his back, the ox must not forsake the weight of this sacred child's load. Soon the man will know the heaviness of this boy's burden, and this man may even run from his own mind. But in the end a seed will be planted, and the flower of life will grow throughout all aspects of space and time, said Dionysus. I don't understand. What is the crane getting at? Enter into the overflowing cup, for it alone is the way. There you will find the source that nourishes the soil of the surface, and soon all life will find a new day, said Dionysus. The cavern opened into a vast lake with a mountain of rock high atop the far shore. A bone-chilling temperature seemed to freeze us as we approached the lake's inner depths. There was no telling what swam beneath us, and so the crane flew toward the far shores to the right before it disappeared out of sight. Dionysus clung to my back while a cold chill swept through my bones before I heard the lone crane calling out. I paddled toward the sound as we managed to find the rocky land as we crawled ashore. My lungs panted while I leaned forward on my hands and knees. Now the boy's body was less than phased by the cold temperature of the large lake, but my body couldn't stop shivering. Dionysus, I'm a little worried about you. Is everything okay? What do you mean? he asked. Do you remember the beast back there? We observed this silence and I could feel the tension in the air before Dionysus spoke. Oh, that one. Did he come out to play again? I couldn't tell if it was the freezing water or the memory of that winged beast dwelling within this boy that made me shake, and I was still so terrified from that red gaze in the boy's eye, and I wasn't sure about this snake. What's it like when the beast comes out? Scary, mostly, and I don't like what it's doing one bit said Dionysus. What is it doing then? Playing around mostly? It thinks destruction is a big joke, said Dionysus. Do you know before it comes out? Nope, he said. But is there a way to stop it? Oh, sure. I think the swami knows how, said Dionysus. I don't think it's a swan. You mean the crane. What did it say? The crane knows the language of the grapevine. After all, it's his disciples who founded the wisdom of the sages. There's no evil to destroy in a pure bird like that. And so it's that kind of purity that helps me find my way back to reality in consecutive stages, said Dionysus. What do you mean? First, I think of it like dissolving. Kind of like you're getting pulled through a tight pair of shoes. Except this tug isn't so tender, because I feel like I'm bursting through my hooves. 
The sensation is sharp and bitter. It's almost always too much to handle. And all I can manage to do is tense up before I start seeing red when I feel like I'm balancing on a burning candle. Everything starts to speed up and spin. I get so tired before nothing even matters. And once my brain comes back to the right channel, my entire mind is always pretty scattered. Now the longer the beast stays asleep, the better I feel. But the more time the beast spends hibernating, well, there's a lot of pent-up energy, so it can be quite the ordeal, said Dionysus. Does it talk to you? Can you communicate with it? Not much to talk about, because it's kind of like a new captain coming to drive my boat. He takes over the ship, and I just crawl up inside and hope we stay afloat, Dionysus paused. Was it always like this? I could see his childlike face, the innocence hid behind his hair. While he contemplated the question, he tried to remember, but I wondered if this question might not be fair. The wheels were spinning in his little mind. Why, yes, this child had taken back the ship's wheel, but I could not understand what he was getting at because the onset of that beast was not something a normal man could feel. You ever been traveling? You ever take a trip on the open road? Well, it's a lot like that, and I picked up this beast a long time ago, back when my father's kingdom started to fall, just after my dad started losing all his powers. All my brothers and sisters stayed back to fight the titans, but I was too little to protect the high and holy tower, said Dionysus. A battle! A holy war, added Dionysus. And just before my father's kingdom faced defeat, he told me about a hidden gateway on the fourth floor. He said that we can connect with higher realms, but only through one brass door. While everyone was fighting the battle, I snuck away and entered into that brass door. Now my awareness was peaking, because I could picture the same brass gate. I remembered when I entered into the pyramid with a Mowgli long ago. I'd found that same brass door and entered that mysterious place. That was before the soldiers locked me up. It was just before they threw me down here. And what was it that was so secretive waiting beyond that brass door? Looking into Dionysus's eyes, I think he was speaking without words. He too was aware that I'd entered this gate, and so was this white bird. I'm picking up that you've been there too, said Dionysus. I nodded, but I couldn't quite recall. My life had turned so chaotic that I couldn't remember what was waiting behind that brass wall. I did go behind it, but they flooded my body with drugs. What was beyond it? I can't even remember what it was. I'm not supposed to tell anyone, said Dionysus, but since you're looking after me, then you're kind of like my new father, and so I'll tell you about what happened, because no one else was brave enough to even bother. It was the last place I remember going. It's the last real memory I can even remember. My parents said it was our family's last hope. And after I came out of the brass door, the titans found me and ripped me apart when my body was dismembered. No one ever believes me, but I died that day. The titans threw my body down the endless tunnel to the center of the earth, but I rose on the third day, said Dionysus. You died? He nodded. Life is a miracle of magic, and there's only one reason I came back. I met a ghost behind the brass door, and she intertwined my soul with a beast who only knows how to destroy and attack, said Dionysus. A ghost? She is like a fortress and a prophet. 
She is the queen of all wars. Shekinah alone holds a holy blade to kill or cure all beings, and she alone is the queen behind the brass door. She said if I wanted to save my father's kingdom, then her destroyer of evil must be released. She said she would grant me one wish if I paired up with her devil of a beast. My wish was simple. I told her, give us our dream. She said, one day I'll make you a king, but first you'll need a queen, said Dionysus. And so that beast could come out at any moment? He paused when his eyes wandered down to his hooves. Then he kicked a small stone and shrugged. Only when I'm threatened, it's a matter of protection, but it comes with a cost. And so I lose all my recollection. And there's something I learned from that big old beast. You see, it's really not so bad, because he's actually a destroyer of evil, and it's only trying to protect that purity that I got from my great ma and dad. See, my parents are the real rulers of the kingdom. They're the ones to whom everyone prays. And the only reason I survived is because I'm here to grow a new vine and form a link between heaven and earth someday. That's where I got the code. That's the one I told you about before. See, I can remember something sometime, but there's just not a lot of space in my mind to keep all these mysteries stored. See, I'm just a traveler through many bodies. There's a lot of lives and places I've been. And if I had to describe my life like a color, well, I'll just say that I'm clear within. Except for that beast. I know exactly when he's there. And when he comes out, I crawl up inside myself because that devil can be quite the scare. Yep, I remember when it hitched a ride with me. I met a lot of spirits behind the brass door. And even though I ain't never said a word to that beast, I'm pretty sure there's a divine reason I ended up in Earth's core, said Dionysus. The boy and I had both found our way behind the same brass door. Maybe I remember seeing something similar, and he was right. But I couldn't quite remember what happened when those extractors locked me up on the fourth floor. I tried to picture a memory, as if I had been in the same position, and I could see the same room behind the brass door with its exact symmetry about which he had spoken. It's really the last place anyone wants to go, because nobody wants to feel possessed, but my great-grandfather said since everyone else took the right-hand path, it means that one of us had to go left. I remember the spirits sat me on a grave before they left me alone. My great-grandfather said it takes courage and bravery to find the way all on your own. I remember a red door rising. Then sprinklers shot out all sorts of steam. Before long, all kinds of invisible bodies were there when I wondered whether I'd been trapped in some terrible dream. These ghosts looked at me. Then countless spirits appeared before my eyes. I remember I watched the beast rise before me when I started to cry. All the other ghosts seemed so intrigued but not one of them said a word. Then the beast pushed his way in between my eyes when my vision started to blur, said Dionysus. The boy turned his head away and started rocking back and forth to occupy his mind. If only I could say something to help, but I was too busy wondering about the spirits in that room. For some reason, I had a similar memory, and I couldn't stop wondering what I saw behind the brass door. I know I've been there too, but I thought it was a dream. I've been behind the same brass door too because I remember how I screamed. Then you saw the spirits? Well, which one did you get? Asked Dionysus. I don't remember. I can't remember if I heard any of the ghosts talk. 
Did you see their queen, the woman with the blue hair and the matted dreadlocks? said Dionysus. Who was she? And how the hell could I know? I'd been trapped in a maze from the moment I entered the pyramid, and everything always seemed so far out of my control. I remember when an extractor tied me to a wheelchair, then they bolted it to the floor. I remember the gears started moving beneath me before I entered under the red door. Of course, there was the sprinkler's mist. That's how I saw the ghost's invisible form. I remember looking dead ahead when I saw how one of the spirits transformed. And what happened? asked Dionysus. I've never met anyone else who went behind the brass door. Maybe we're meant to find each other. Maybe we were both supposed to be on that fourth floor. Looking around the cavern we were trapped in, this was some sort of inner world, and the more I reflected on the memory behind the brass door, the more real it all appeared to be. I pinched my arm, and I felt the pain echo through my body when I began to wonder if this was not a mad dream. What if this was reality, even if nothing was as it seems? Well, come on, which one did he get? asked Dionysus. I don't know how to explain it. Maybe she was like a whisper in the wind. First she took the shape of a stranger riding a horse, but all I could feel was a giant heart beating within.'